0: And welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch Podcast.
1: I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her.
0: I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
1: Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast.
1: So whether you're watching for the first time,
0: or longtime fans like us,
1: we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too.
0: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy,
1: discuss the show's cultural impact,
0: and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: Now, onto to the episode. Season 6, Episode 3, Afterlife.
1: Afterlife, indeed. Maybe we should start before every episode, start saying what you would name the episode because (laughs) I did that for Bargaining Part 2 where I was like, this one should be called What's the Plan? Um, This episode, I would call Consequences Part (laughs) 2.
0: Consequences! Consequences!
1: Because um, I do think Afterlife is a clever title, obviously, because afterlife usually refers to what happens after you die but in this case it's what happens after you die and then come back and live again right
0: well yeah and the question which i posed in my notes here and i think is the central question of the episode is how does one come back from the dead you know like Mm -hmm. like aside from obviously willow did a spell but like having done this spell i don't know if willow and the scoobies really fully felt like did they think through how bizarre it must be to come back from the dead like this this is not i was in a horrific accident and now i've healed this is literally like i have died and i moved on and now i'm back and you just expect me to just go on like nothing has ever happened we're just gonna go back to slaying and and slaying like
1: Well, I'm a broken record. What's the plan? (laughs) Right. Like, okay, so you bring her back and unless they really didn't believe they would ever bring her back. It was just like, let's just try this. Uh, Yeah, there was no plan for her immediate after like for the immediate time after she wakes up. But also, yeah, like the long term plan. Then what happens? Right. We just go back to living the way we lived. I guess so. Uh, We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Um, (laughs) uh, What I will say about this episode, I enjoyed it. Uh, It's scary. Like, there are some jump scares. There's some truly horrifying moments in it that are straight out of a horror movie. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. A lot of up and downs for me with Spike in this episode. Just like in the last two episodes, we were up and down with Xander. I was very up and down with Spike in this episode. Some things good, some things bad. What about you overall?
0: Oh, I really liked this episode. I, mm-hmm. I think it is so good after the end of bargaining. There are lots of good speeches in this episode from yes. a bunch of characters, which we'll get to as we go through the recap. And of course, the, the final two scenes are absolute gut punches. And Sarah Michelle mm-hmm. Gellar once again demonstrates why she is Buffy. And mm. yep. let's let's do it.
1: Let's get into it. So I will say I like that this episode starts off right where the last one left off, right? Like the Scoobies are walking on the alley looking for Buffy. It's the same night as as the resurrection, as the chaos of the gang is leaving Sunnydale. That's a great idea, right? Because we want to see Buffy's whole journey from her grave to home right so willow is saying that she has to that um buffy has to be at home and xander is saying the fact this is the fastest way they're going through alleyways and stuff um anya notices that there's a lot of things on fire she's worried xander says his senses are primed for danger nothing is gonna and then three bikers ride by him they nearly knock him over and scare him and anya's like well at least the demons almost hit you on their way out of town so xander says their leader's gone so they seem to be making a big skedaddle And again, Willow's worried about Buffy. She's like, well, where is Buffy? We saw her, but was it really Buffy? Like, was it? And Anya says, I think we screwed it up. She's broken. And Willow says, no, she's not broken. She's disoriented from being in a hell dimension. She was probably tortured. And we don't even know how much time has passed there for her. Possibly years. It's not something you just get over. My God, what if she never gets over it? So Willow's basing her assumption on what Buffy's going to be like when she gets back, purely off of their experience with Angel when he came back. To be
0: fair, that is the only example they have. It is a sample size of one, but it's like, this is not a common occurrence, so she's doing her best.
1: She's doing her best, but uh, I think it's it's very naive, and we critiqued her last episode about this too. It's like, well, why... So naive about it, Willow. I mean, you should have asked Giles. Like, really, you should have asked Giles more about this. I think he would have had some insight for you. But um, you didn't even see Angel when he was at his feralness. <laughs> you know, she saw him a lot later. So um, you're right. That's that's the best they could go off of. But uh, it just wasn't enough.
0: I also think, you know, Anya th- in this moment, we, we've noted Anya's tendency to kind of blurt things out that maybe aren't appropriate for the mood of a moment. But I like that she is basically vocalizing what everybody else in the group is thinking, even Willow, right?
1: Yeah, and like the, the group will see it as unhelpful, but it, it's the truth. She's broken. So Tara says, what are you thinking? That she's not right or maybe she's dangerous? And then we cut to Dawn and Buffy who are standing outside the Summers' home. And Dawn is like, see? Home. You're okay now. But Buffy is not okay, Kara. <laughs> cut to credits. That
0: would be my title <laughs> of the episode is Buffy Summers is not okay. <laughs>
1: so inside the home Buffy is she's saying it's different right and Don's like yeah a little bit uh Willow and Tara live here now and we didn't do much we moved some of the chairs and you know took out some of the little tables that's
0: good they were always getting broken and in fights anyway
1: right if anything they should seal up that that window real quick um but Buffy is looking at a picture of Joyce who's uh on the table there and the look on Buffy's face literally this like this whole episode with Buffy broke my heart but this one broke my heart first because she is re-remembering the pain of losing her mother not that long ago in Buffy's time zone in timeline right and it's it's sad because I think like you know it's like oh home just the way you left it except a couple things are different but like Buffy is thinking about home being home before Joyce died right like that was home to Buffy and then Joyce died and all the all you know, the whole thing with Dawn and the key and Glory blew up in her face. So, like, home has not been home for her a lot longer than now. And that's so sad. So Buffy walks away f- without answering Dawn and looks in the dining room. And Dawn is like, yeah, everything here is the same except for the computer stuff. That's Willow's, obviously. We eat at the other end of the table, obviously. But Buffy is not paying attention to Dawn. She's just wandering around. She walks away from her. Dawn's trying her best to be... um uplifting she's trying her best to be positive but uh you can tell it's getting to her that buffy's not saying much so upstairs dawn i suppose has given buffy a sponge bath um and she's put her she's got her hair in a ponytail now uh she's wearing a white blazer and uh dawn was sponging her neck (laughs) so
0: it's really sweet how dawn is like taking care of her older sister at this moment
1: it's really sweet and like how like Buffy is clearly traumatized. Like she is just staring stone faced. Like she's like, Where am I? Dawn's saying, like, there you are. Knew you were under all that dirt somewhere. Uh you remember what mom used to say? Either wash that neck or plant potatoes. No reaction from Buffy. So Dawn keeps like saying, like, oh, I, I never thought it was funny either. She asks Buffy she needs help buttoning up her shirt. And then she notices that Buffy's hands are bleeding. And she's like, okay, we'll take care of that. Um, you do your shirt, I'll take care of your hands. See how nice you look in the mirror? Uh, But Buffy, again, doesn't answer her. just walks away towards Joyce's room. Dawn turns on the light and we see Buffy squint. So clearly she's still really sensitive to um, bright lights and loud noises. She asks if this is Willow and Tara's room now. And Dawn's like, yeah, it made the most sense at the time. But now that you're here, we'll figure something out. And Buffy starts walking away again. And Dawn is just like, okay, stop. Like, we can sit down and talk, right? And Buffy's like, well, what else is different? And Don says, about the house or, and Buffy just looks uncomfortable. Don says, Giles left today. He'll be right back. I'll, I'll call him or someone will call him. And Buffy starts saying, what? And Don says, what, what? And then Buffy changes his course and says, what will you say to him?
0: Yes. Um. Hello.
1: Hello. Oh, are we doing it? Are we doing that? back and forth?
0: <laughs> yes. Hello. This is Giles.
1: Giles. You better come back.
0: <laughs> I just landed. I'm very jet like, Why do you need me back?
1: Because we did a thing, and if you don't come back, just come back. Do <laughs> you think they tell him on the phone, or they like, tell him as soon as he gets there? Um, I would. I would think that if Don phone Giles, he'd be like, "Who are you?" <laughs> So I hope it's Willow that gives him a call. He gave
0: them a fake number.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Call dead. New phone, who just? <laughs> New phone, who dis? Um, Or, um, yeah, where he's just like, I'm sorry. Um, That's not my problem anymore. Like, I left the show for a reason. I want to be in England. So the door opens downstairs and Buffy's spooked by the noise. Uh, but Spike is calling for Dawn right? And she's like, oh, it's just Spike. And she goes downstairs to see him and he's like, there you are. I could kill you. I mean it. I could rip your head off one-handed and drink from your brainstem. And Don is like, look. And Buffy comes down the stairs behind her. And at first Spike thinks it's the Buffy bot. But then he stops and he just starts staring. And Kudos to James Marsters. Honestly, I mean, you and I praise his performance a lot in the show. And the reason Spike is so likable is because of what he does. He's really selling this shit. Like, he takes in, like, the fact that it's actually Buffy. Like, there's, like, disbelief and shock and and even fear or horror, maybe. Like, like what like what is she doing here, right? And Dawn is saying um, she's been through a lot with the uh, with the death. But I think she's okay. And Buffy's watching Spike look at her, and then she, like, self-consciously starts doing up the buttons on her shirt, lest she forget her stalker, Kara. (laughs) Um, But Don is, asks Spike if he's okay, and he's like, what did you do? And Don's like, me? Nothing. And fair enough, because Spike remembers that Dawn can do resurrection spells, right? So Spike says uh, her hands and Buffy self-consciously puts her hands behind her back. But Dawn says, I don't know how they got like that. Spike says, I do. She clawed her way out of a coffin. That's how. Is that right? And Buffy says, yeah, that's what I had to do. So Spike says, I've done it myself let's take care of you and he tells Don to go get first aid things as he guides Buffy to a couch he takes her hands and he sits across from her and she asks him how how long she's been gone for and he says 147 days yesterday 148 today except today doesn't count does it so yeah so like what's that like about four months four and a half months four and a half months Yeah, I still have no idea what month it is. (laughs) So, um, Yeah, but he's been counting that long. He says, um, how long was it for you where you were? And Buffy says longer. So now we know that she was gone for four and a half months. This is actually a very intimate and quiet moment between the two of them. And I liked it. Like, I will say, I, I thought this was a good scene, which is hard for me to say because Spike is such a pervert in my eyes. But... In a second, we're going to see the Scoobies come in and the, the the shift in the way that they handle Buffy, in the way that they approach her and ask her questions. It's so different from how Spike and Dawn are handling Buffy in these moments, right? So uh, I think the fact that Spike recognizes Buffy's trauma in crawling out of a coffin, he doesn't ask her too many questions, but like, like, what are you doing here or anything like that? He's just, let's take care of you. And then he answers her questions, right? So... There is an understanding here between the two of them. There, There is a connection now, I think, between the two of them. It's really dark, obviously, but they do share this act now. They have this in common with the fact that they both crawled their way out of graves.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what that does to their dynamic this season. Yeah. Um, this is a totally random question. I've been meaning to ask this since Bargaining Part 1. Does the number 7 on Don's t-shirt mean anything?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
0: I'm just curious because she's been wearing this shirt. It kind of looks like a a football kind of jersey or something. And it just got, you know, zero seven on. And I'm just like, does that number have any significance for Dawn for us? I I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, we know that the seventh episode of every season is a big deal. <laughs> so
0: true, true.
1: Maybe, um, not that I can I'm aware of, but maybe one of our listeners is savvy and knows.
0: It would be it would be fun if the number went down every episode. <laughs> she had a, it was six and then five, counting down.
1: <laughs> just for fun, just for no reason other than to be fun. So Don comes in, and then the Scoobies barge in. And they're like, she's here, we didn't know where you were. You ran away. Buffy, you're okay. And like it's like loud and there's a lot. And Spike just takes off. And Don says, How did you know she was back? And Anya's like, uh, she asks Buffy if she's a zombie. And Will says, Are you in pain? And Tara's like, What do you remember? And Buffy is overwhelmed. And frankly, Kara, so am I. <laughs> I am overwhelmed by that. I don't, I, it's so. Crazy to me that they're being so insensitive.
0: Yes. Right? And agreed.
1: It's overbearing, it's overwhelming. Like, you guys, it's selfish. Chill out. It's oh, it's selfish. And um, Dawn is the one that says, Hey, back off. You did this. What did you do? And Will says, We did a spell.
0: Dawn Summers being the most mature person in the room. Did you ever think you'd love to see it?
1: Oh, I love it though. Like she's so right in this scene, right? And Will says we did a spell. We didn't think it worked. And Dawn says, is she going to be okay? And Buffy says, I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I remember you brought me back. And Anya says, what was it like? And Buffy says, I can't. Because of course she can't. And Xander says, it's okay. You don't have to talk about the stuff, Buff. You want something? Anything. Pizza. I'll get you pizza. And Anya's like, Buffy likes pizza. And Tara says, something to eat? And Willow says, she doesn't want pizza. And... um. This is a lot, you guys. It's a lot shouting things at her, asking her, like, tell us what you need. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but I will say, Cara, pizza's not a bad idea. All right? Like, everyone likes pizza. She's got to eat. Like, yeah, order pizza. Don't ask. Just just order it. And then I think I have a question here in my notes. What would you want your first meal to be after you come back from presumably a hell dimension?
0: <laughs> Great question. I don't know if I would feel like eating. Would I be super, like, starving? Would I be kind of satiated? probably you'd have to go for like something bland right like what were my gut bacteria brought back along with the rest of my body Mm -hmm. like
1: something safe you're saying like like that's the thing
0: is whenever everybody's like oh we're gonna bring your body back right or the rapture or whatever it's like but there's also like billions of other living organisms inside of your body and on your skin that help you know make you you did those things get brought back? Like,
1: so you're saying you'd have a bowl of Riley's mini wheats or something? Something very absolutely <laughs> something
0: very very bland. Uh, yeah, I'd probably like ask them to put on like a recording of Riley's voice just to soothe mm, me
1: as an appetizer.
0: <laughs> Buffy,
1: Buffy, um, I would, I wouldn't go the opposite. I'd be like, I want nachos. Uh, Yeah, pizza would be good. Give me some mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, I want a shepherd's pie. Like, I'd want all this stuff. So uh, Don, again, stands up for Buffy, says, guys, back off. Fuck yeah, Donifer. So Willow says, Don's right. We should just be quiet and let Buffy tell us what she needs. And then they all stare at Buffy expectantly. And again, I was like, wow, you're so insensitive. So Buffy gets up and says, I just want to go to sleep. And Willow's like, good idea, long day. But Buffy... Be happy. We got you out. We really did it. And Buffy's looks around and says, "Tired." And Buffy asks if her room is still hers. Dawn's like, "Yep." So Buffy goes upstairs. Will's like, "She's fine. She used to go to bed all the time." So so again, like this scene juxtaposed to the scenes with Dawn and Spike, like the Scoobies are just dropping the ball in every situation here. Do you know what I mean? Like again i mean clearly the writers are doing something here where they're making dawn and spike more understanding to be
0: fair bringing your friend back from the dead is a big deal and it's not an everyday thing and it's not like you get to practice it beforehand so i am willing to cut them more slack than if buffy had just come back from a vacation or something it's like you know this is a big deal and there's no rule book for this. There's no real playbook for, hey, I successfully brought my friend back from the dead. Um, so I think it's understandable that they are also freaking out.
1: I'm not as understanding as you. I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious that they should chill out and give Buffy more space. I
0: agree be with chill, you. chill, you know? I would like to say that that is what I would do, but I have a sneaking suspicion that I would be like them because my next-door neighbor just came back after being away for about a month. Uh, and I must admit, I ran outside to say hi to her uh, the moment I saw that her truck was back. And I'm like, oh, Car, you're such a puppy dog sometimes. Um, no, I I agree with you, but I'm not sure I'd have the same strength to actually follow through.
1: I can only assume that your neighbor didn't come back from a hell dimension. But yes, again, I I think that... The Dawn and Spike approach is the best approach, and it's obviously working. The writers have done this on purpose, right? Make her friends a little bit uh, overwhelming for her, where the quieter, less obvious people that she would usually turn to tend to be the better people at the moment. So outside, Anya and Xander are leaving, and Anya is saying that she thinks Willow's wrong. I don't think she's particularly normal. And Xander says, uh, she just got back. I bet in a week she'll be a little buffering again. And Anya's like, six or seven days, that'll be, that's all you really need to get over eternal hell experience. And I was like, well, that worked for Angel.
0: <laughs> just a couple of episodes, but,
1: <laughs> but not even like, remember um, when he first came back, it was like later, like he was all feral. And then all of a sudden he was just like, Buffy, <laughs> and gave her a
0: hug. Time to do Tai Chi and make charcuterie boards.
1: <laughs> mm, what a man. So they notice <laughs> Spike leaning against a tree and he's been crying. Okay, and <laughs> I was being I was I was leaning into the Spike dislike here because I was like, uh, possibly he's crying because he thought it was Joyce at first walking down the stairs. Uh, his true love, obviously, spoys forever. Um, and then he had to go cry next to this tree because he did Joyce against it back in No Place Like Home, season five.
0: Do you think he pees on that tree every time he comes over to the Summer's residence? Absolutely.
1: Not only is his cigarettes, like, buried around it, but he pees on the cigarettes too, and that's, like, him making his mark. It's a classic vampire move. The other possibility is that he's crying because the underwear he stole from Buffy last season is losing its smell.
0: Oh, Steph, I didn't (laughs) want to think about anything you just said in that sentence.
1: And he had to, again... He again. He chose the tree to cry against because he used to stand there and watch Buffy through the windows having sex with Riley. So he's like, "Oh, the memories, the memories." Uh, I'm sorry, but okay. But again, the writers are showing the softer side of Spike because, of course, obviously, he's crying because Buffy, his obsession, is alive again. But I bring up these hilarious, but yes, perhaps uncomfortable scenarios of why he could be crying because. does the show want us to forget what he did last season? Like he they th- this show wants me to forget that we watched Spike lay naked next to the sex spot of Buffy he created and said, "You're mine, Buffy." Like you think I forget that? I don't. I don't even forget that Xander peeked at Buffy season 1 when she was changing. I forget nothing. Never forget. Hashtag. Anyway, but uh, th- again, my my up and down feelings for Spike in this episode is that like I think he's doing A good job of making you care that he cares, right? (laughs) So Xander says, Spike, what are you doing here? I hope you're not going to start your little obsession again now that she's around. And Kara, remember historically, we, we didn't mind Xander's toxic masculinity around Buffy when it came to Spike because... It was always in defense of Buffy, right? Like Spike is being a pervert and a predator, <laughs> and Xander didn't like it, so we were like, "Yeah, we don't like it either." So go off. Well, it,
0: it's the whole "a broken clock is right twice a day," right? Like when Xander Xander did the exact same thing in season two with Angel, lest we forget. Yeah. Xander dawdling on his way to tell Buffy, and then saying, "You know, go get him," and not telling her about the the restoration spell.
1: <laughs> lest we forget. <laughs>
0: So, like, I, f- I feel like Xander will do this with any boyfriend of Buffy's, except Riley, because he wasn't thre- threatened by Riley. Um, Well, I guess he was threatened by Riley, but for other reasons. But yeah, so like, yeah, we're, we are willing to walk on the dark side and harness Xander's toxic masculinity when it serves our purposes.
1: Yeah, because people shouldn't forget. Hashtag never forget. That should have <laughs> been the episode title of this episode. <laughs> so... Spike grabs Xander and slams him against the tree, and he gets a little headache for it. Um, and he says, you didn't tell me. You brought her back. And you didn't tell me. I worked beside you all summer. And I was like, that's not a very long time, Spike. <laughs> I mean, you
0: and I worked together all summer, and here we are doing a podcast 15 years later. So Sure,
1: but, like, you didn't steal my panties, and I didn't <laughs> build a shrine of you. <laughs> so... Again, that's not a long time, Spike, in my opinion, Um, after a significantly longer period of you being their enemy. (laughs) But are we to believe that a few months of, of Spike working beside the Scoobies is enough to be part of the group? I don't know if it is because he is still, at the end of the day, a trickster and an opportunist, right? So xander just says we didn't tell you we just didn't okay (laughs) and again i think that's valid it's like yeah they don't have they didn't have to tell him whatever um spike says i figured it out maybe you haven't but i have willow knew that there was a chance that she'd come back wrong so wrong that she would have to get rid of what came back and i wouldn't let her any part of that was buffy i wouldn't let her and that's why you shut me out and xander's like willow wouldn't do that and spike says Is that right? Which is a very Xander line. (laughs) Is that right? Um, I I don't don't know, Spike. How would you have stopped Willow? You can't do anything to humans. So you're putting a little bit more importance on yourself here than you really have. Uh, This conspiracy theory is flimsy in my opinion. But on the other hand, I I am annoyed with the Scoobies. So I'm sort of on Spike's side here. I can get on board with him believing this. But I actually want to talk about um, a good thing about Spike, which is that... You and I noted in the past that Spike is a lot more observant than the Scoobies give him credit for. It's the whole reason he was mm-hmm. able to pull off the Yoko factor, right, back in uh, season four. Mm-hmm. So he, he he's observant and he's always been really attuned to what Willow's going through, particularly when she was going through her breakup with Oz. So he's seeing this nefarious darker side to Willow and her behavior that the other Scoobies are not picking up on. And just like Angel smelt the bad intentions on Ford back in Lie to Me, Spike is doing something very similar here with Willow because he knows what betrayal looks like. And he
0: knows what, what, you know, soulless evil is like. And I'm not trying to say Willow is soulless, right? But like, I agree. Like, once you've touched evil the way that Spike or Angel have, then you can recognize that darkness in other people. Mm -hmm. And Xander is always willing to criticize people like Spike and Angel, right? But I mean historically Xander has been very bad at spotting darkness. Yes. Right? Like he never notices that these people who are interested in him are demons.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's true. So so yeah, so we I am that's what that's another reason why I am um, willing to believe Spike when he says that Willow purposefully cut him out as opposed to Xander who just forgot to include him. So Xander says Don't tell me you're not happy. Look me in the eyes and tell me that when you saw Buffy alive, that wasn't the happiest moment of your entire existence. And I was like, don't, don't, don't encourage him, Xander. Spike hops on his motorcycle, his new motorcycle that he got last episode. And he says, think about magic. There's always consequences. consequences, consequences, always, always. So as he leaves, we see Buffy in her room, staring at the mirror at herself, at nothing. Who can say?
0: Uh, And then we go to Willow in her room with Tara, a.k.a. Joyce's old room. Uh, They're getting ready for bed. It's a cute little domestic scene. Uh, You know, Tara's brushing her hair. Willow's in her BJs. Tara says that she got hold of Giles, and he's going to head back as soon as he can, maybe a couple of days, because, again, this is the same night as the previous (laughs) two episodes. So Giles has only... I, has Giles even landed? Like, what's going on? I don't what's know. The what time is like? it? Has it been a full day? Is it
1: 6 a.m. And
0: they're going to bed. So, okay. So let's think about this. Giles left. Well, let's just say it's Monday. So Giles left Monday afternoon. And then the same night they did the spell. Yes. Or did they wait a day?
1: No, they did it that night. Because they had to go over their plans for that night.
0: Okay. So the flight to England from California is going to be like... 10 to 12 hours so yeah so he's
1: landed now probably
0: he he must have just landed. <laughs> surely <he's> like, <laughs> he just landed <laughs>
1: they call him at the airport like they were <laughs> like, a, like a rupert giles <laughs> yeah it's been it's been i would say it's 6 a.m in the morning
0: so 6 a.m in california or in, in
1: california like because they've been the last two episodes was one night <laughs> they're right? going
0: to bed at 6 a.m
1: yeah that's it's it's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think it must be like one or two.
1: Impossible, because they did the spell at midnight.
0: Okay, maybe two. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I think two a.m. <laughs> earlier. But no, you're right. The timing is really weird. Uh, so, so Tara asks, Willow was the one who called. Tara asks, how did Giles take it, and Willow says, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, he got weirded out, which I get there's lots of dear Lords, and I could actually hear him at one point cleaning his glasses. <laughs> That's cute yeah, it's um, and Willow's like applying hand cream and stuff, so you can tell that this is kind of their bedtime routine is they kind of decompress and and debrief each other. Uh, Tara asks Willow if Willow is worried, and Willow says, Tara, it worked fine, it's all good.
1: Uh, I am genuinely shocked that they think it's all good <laughs> because <laughs> key. Okay. They just let Buffy go up to bed because she says she's tired. They're like, yeah, yeah, go, go sleep. No one's going to stay up and, and just like, it's the first night that she's home. Like she could be literally possessed. She could be, they're, they're just like, yeah, it's fine. It worked. Go, good night. You're
0: right. There, There's a shocking nonchalance about everything.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Good night. See ya.
0: And <laughs> Tara agrees with you. She says, this is me. It doesn't have to be all good all, all the time. Uh, you know, this is the room where you don't have to be brave. I'll still love you. If you're worried, you could be worried, which I think is such a sweet and good thing for a partner to say to her other partner, like, oh my God, Tara, why are you so wise and mature in this instance? Like
1: In this scene, uh, safe space, safe (laughs) space, yeah. So
0: Willow says, I'm not not worried. I mean, what happened? That was intense. That's got to change you. And then she brings up Angel, right? And when Angel came back, Buffy said he was wild, like an animal. Uh Buffy's not like that cuz Tara's never met Angel in in any capacity, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh so that's interesting. So Willow joins Tara in bed and you know it's just a cute little scene where they slide next to bed to each other. Uh they're cuddling and touching each other and it's nice and uh Willow points to her head and says it's just kind of no- noisy up here tonight, you know? And Tara wraps her arms around her and says, "Is this better?" And Willow says, "Yeah." I think it makes things quieter in here. And Tara says, you know what I think? I think we all just assumed crash positions. We were all tensed up. We were expecting it to screw up, and we weren't prepared for it to actually go right.
1: Is that why you had no plans, (laughs) Tara and Willow?
0: (laughs) I think she's making a very sound point right here. I, I think I agree with her, because I've been in that situation, right, where you expect everything to go terribly, and... One of the best pieces of advice I ever received from one of my best friends when I was going through something similar, because I was talking to her, I was waiting for something to happen, and I was envisioning the worst possible scenario. And my friend told me, she's like, okay, but what's the best thing that could happen? What's the best case scenario? And I walked myself through the best case scenario with her. And after we finished the phone call, I felt better. And I was able to focus on that scenario And it turned out, you know, that what actually happened was not exactly the best case, but it was pretty close. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is better. So I'm with Tara's interpretation here. Again, I think she's being very wise and very, you know, perspicacious when it comes to understanding the situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Willow says, well, if things did go right, wouldn't you think she'd be happier? Wouldn't you think she'd be so happy that we brought her out? And Tara says, sure, she is. You thought she'd say thanks. Be more grateful. And Willow says, would I be a terrible person if I said yes? <laughs> and Tara reassures her, saying, give her time. She'll get there. Willow says, right. No need to be in a big furry hurry. And Tara says, exactly. I'm sure it's okay.
1: Oh, Willow. Willow, Willow, Willow. Kara, uh, do you think that Willow's out of line for expecting a thank you in this situation?
0: Okay. So here's my thoughts. I hate to say it, Steph. I can really identify with Willow in this scene.
1: Ouch. <laughs> okay, let's hear why. Let's hear why.
0: So, first of all, I am not an only child. So, not exactly the same. But I do think there's a little bit of like only child syndrome coming from Willow here, where when you're a kid and you don't have any siblings to compete against, you're either constantly seeking your parents' approval or you're constantly getting it. And I, neither scenario is really very healthy. But Willow has always wanted praise i think we've seen that like going back to season one doing the computer stuff for giles in the library right like she's always wanted uh the smart adults in the room to recognize how smart she is so i can identify with willow because i have historically been pigeonholed as a smarty pants and and i'm also a caregiver you know i i am somebody who who naturally like one of my love languages for people is acts of service i like to do things for people And I think there is something about that combination in our society, especially for women, where if you are, you know, quite kind of conventionally intelligent um, and also a caregiver, you can sometimes feel a little bit unappreciated, a little bit like you want that you come to expect that thanks from people. I think, and I'm not a psychologist, but I think a lot of that comes from if I think back to my experiences it's the amount of thought and effort that you put into what you do for other people. Uh, Because we are smarty pants, we over-engineer the acts of service that we do for people, you know? uh, I put so much effort into like cooking a meal for a friend or doing this thing for them. And then they just kind of accept it and they might kind of brush it off and be like, oh, thank you. Uh, And it's like this whole thing I did that I put like a whole afternoon or a whole week's worth of time into and they just say thank you. And it's like, a little bit of a, an anticlimactic and deflating moment and I'm not trying to justify it, I'm not saying this is good, um, you know but I'm also trying not to judge myself or Judge Willow here I, I think it is a, a symptom of our upbringing and our environment and, and the the way that we tend to expect women to perform labor and domestic labor and emotional labor uh, and and never really say thank you So I want to agree with you because I agree that there is an element of selfishness to Willow positioning herself as Buffy's savior. I think there's something concerning in that. But again, I can't say I wouldn't be feeling the same way in Willow's position.
1: Interesting. Well, I'm really glad you explained that and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you put it that way, can I just, can I I explain why I think that Willow, not you, not you, but Willow (laughs) in this situation is being self-centered. I think that Willow is doing her best to make herself feel better rather than Buffy. Like she's more concerned with her own feelings of being praised, of being in control of the situation, and of successfully managing to bring Buffy back from the dead. I think that she is more concerned about that than she is with the fact that Buffy is actually not okay. Like Buffy is pretty traumatized and Willow's brushing that aside. She's saying like, Oh, she just needs to readjust and like, Oh, she's fine. She's fine. She used to sleep all the time, like making little jokes like that. And remember last episode, I got so pissed because Xander says we didn't dig up her coffin and Willow turned away and sought comfort from Tara. So, I feel like Willow doesn't want to feel the guilt. She doesn't want to feel anything other than her success and to get praise from her peers, but mostly from Buffy. And it's not fair. It's not fair. And I, I think that there is a lot for her to be at fault for here. And um, yeah, expecting Buffy in this case to be thankful is a little much
0: for me. I think you're right. I completely agree with that reading. Mm-hmm. So we finish off. Uh, We go back to Buffy Buffy is sitting on her bed. It's dark. She gets up. She looks at some pictures of everybody that are on her wall. And as she's looking at the pictures, their faces in the pictures turn into like, you know, x-ray or photographic negatives of skulls. And of course, you know, this freaks Buffy out. And she so she shuts her eyes and then she opens them. And everything, all the photos are back to normal.
1: Look at this photograph. <laughs> Every time I do it makes me laugh. There's there's a Nickelback song for you. <laughs> uh, let's cut to the middle of the night again, Carl. What is the timing? What is what is the timing? They all go to bed. It's now 6.30. And like, <laughs>
0: I'm guessing they went to bed around 2 or 3. And it's probably like an hour later. So it's probably 3 or 4.
1: Can I just say, so the spell was at 12 it got disrupted we know they wandered the forest for like an hour or two. <laughs> oh
0: yeah i did not factor in the forest wandering time yeah. I, yes again t- time must work differently in california do y'all have more hours in your nights like
1: uh, yeah so it's it's gotta be six, like 7 a.m i don't know uh tara and Willow are sleeping and a glass shatters above their head and this scared me i was like whoa Buffy is standing in the shadows at the foot of their bed. Her face is kind of like in the darkness, but you can see her eyes. And she's like, what did you do? Do you know what you did? You're like children. Your hands smell of death. Bitches. Filthy little bitches rattling the bones. Did you cut the throat? Did you pat its head? And she throws something else against the wall. And then she says, the blood dried on your hands, didn't it? You were stained. You still are. I know what you did. And Will gets up to turn on the light and Buffy is gone and there's no glass on the bed and Kara, i don't know what this is but could this be justice for the baby deer because <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly what they're talking about right with the, the cut its throat pat its head right you're stained by their blood i was like yes finally we we need revenge for what willow did to bambi
0: personally i think Peta's going a little far here <laughs>
1: Not far enough, in my opinion. <laughs> um But yeah, uh, they peek into Buffy's room, and Buffy's sleeping. That wasn't Buffy. She's 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 having a sleep. And again, this is why it made me laugh earlier. Where they're like, "Well, all is well. Good night." And like they never thought, like it just it's the first night. Someone stay up, you know. Back in their room, Tara wand- wonders if they dreamt the same. Th- if they dreamt it, and Willow's like, "Right, wrong, different brains." <laughs> So Tara asks if Willow understood uh, what it was talking about. And Willow says, I understood the words, but no. And I was like, lies, lies. So something in the walls is making the picture shake. Uh, Tara says there's something in the house. And Willow wonders if it's after Buffy. And she calls Xander. So Anya and Xander are in bed. Anya can't sleep so she's trying to get Xander to play a game with her (laughs) like a like a word game
0: oh the days before we just had our phones to entertain us
1: (laughs) yes he's sleeping through it but then the phone rings and wakes him up and Xander picks up a phone and Kara I had the same phone I think a lot of people did in the early 2000s like a see-through like plastic phone Willow tells him that they were attacked and it, it was something that looked like Buffy like she was possessed and she disappeared and there's something in the house so Xander is like taking this all in and Anya has walked off into the kitchen um, while he's on the phone and we can see as he starts saying you know get everybody out of the house like get everybody get out uh, we see Anya slowly approaching him from the kitchen and she's out of focus and it's so eerie and then all of a sudden it cuts to Anya and her eyes are pure milky white and she's cutting her face with a butcher's knife. And there's blood dripping. And she's very laughing. Disturbing. Oh, my God. I was so freaked out. It was so creepy. It was so well done, honestly. Xander freaks out, takes the knife from her, and Anya falls to the ground. Xander goes to help her. And we see a bumpy thing move away through the floor.
0: So this reminded me of the episode in season four where there was a poltergeist in one of the frat houses.
1: You mean where the wild things are, the haunted dick.
0: <laughs> Is that the
1: episode? That's the one you're referring to, my friend.
0: <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure if it was okay. Because uh, what Buffy's saying, you know, accusing them, being bitches and stuff, it reminded me of how the Poltergeist was created um, as a result of the the old woman who, like, yeah abused the, the, the girls or whatever in that home when it was yep. a home for girls mm-hmm. um and so i'm like oh this is like a similar situation where it's like oh there's a poltergeist you know happening here
1: Right, but this is much better done than it was in that episode.
0: <laughs> well, it's this is a less horny episode, which I personally appreciate. <laughs> yes,
1: thank you very much, show for progressing. The next morning, the Scoobies are all in the Summers backyard and Xander is like bad, bad, very bad, bad. And Willow is saying whatever it is, it's not a traditional haunting because it's not limited to one specific place.
0: <laughs> not a traditional haunting. Oh. Kids these days and their untraditional hauntings. And
1: millennial haunting. It's not a dead person, right? So Tara's like not anymore. Anya says she bet it's a hitch. She bets it's a, hit- it's a hitchhiker. Standard way to travel through dimensions. Some demon sees something moving through worlds and grabs on for the ride. And this is interesting to me because I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Insidious, but nope. Oh, I love that this is movie. Not my genre. Ooh, I love horror films. So, so in Insidious, very same idea where there's like a host person, her host body, and. They can astral project and they go into other dimensions while they're sleeping. They think it's dreams, but it's like it's other dimensions. And um, of course, demons and nefarious creatures can inhabit the body when the person leaves it. So it's very, very similar to that. Willow says some hell beastie rode in with Buffy. Like, we're responsible for this? Yeah, Willow. Consequences. So Tara says assume crash positions. Anya says, I think we shouldn't have brought Buffy back. I knew it was going to end badly. I should have said something. Um, a little late, Anya. <laughs> so Willow says, we just killed the Beastie and it's all good. We're rolling in puppies. And Xander says, can we do that? Can we kill it? And that's when Buffy comes out. She's like, "We're killing something," and they're all like, "Oh, Buffy, you're up. Are you feeling okay? Are you okay?" You know. And again with the Tara assassination in the beginning of this <laughs> ep- of this season, right? Because like I just I just think Tara is being insensitive, and it's not like her to be insensitive and unattuned to the emotions of Buffy in particular. You know, Buffy ignores them and just says, "What are we killing?" And Anya says, "The demon you brought back from hell with you." You, you had said earlier that, like, Anya says inappropriate things at the wrong time. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's, it's too blunt or whatever. In this case, I just, I'm I'm really sensitive for Buffy right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't want Anya to be this blunt with her, right? Like, I get that that's her shtick.
0: You you want to be the friend to Buffy that Tara used to be.
1: Yeah, I need someone to step up who's not Don <laughs> and Spike. And it, I guess it's me. It's Can we me.
0: insert Steph into this episode as Buffy's friend? <laughs> Do you yeah. want to be the Pat of the episode?
1: i I do. I do. I'll be like, not today. Get out of here. Let's go to our book club. So Buffy's like, oh. Uh, Willow says it's not like she's making. Uh, it's it's not like she's making it sound. It's a, it's a little haunting kind of stuff. Boo, scary. Everything's normal. And Tara says you shouldn't worry about it. And Buffy says. Uh, I remember something from last night, but then she kind of drifts off because I think she's thinking about, oh, I remember how miserable I am. (laughs) But then she comes back and she says um, that the photographs of us, they changed. Uh, They were dead. We were dead. Dead bodies. But then they were okay. So I I just figured it was me going crazy. And Anya says, maybe you are going crazy from hell. But then Anya corrects herself and says, you're fine.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love you, Anya. Never change.
1: So Willow says you are, Buffy, we're so glad. And Xander says, this haunting thing, will fix it and we'll still have you back, which is so important. And Tara says, it's wonderful. And Buffy just says, we should get to work.
0: So can I just point out, I think this is another one of the, the changes because of the change of network. Maybe, I don't know, new budget for season six. I think this is the most we've seen of the summer's backyard. Like we've seen the steps before. Yep. But now we're seeing like the furniture and... In a previous season this scene would have happened like in the dining room or something. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, they're sitting outside. How nice is this?
1: I guess cuz they were trying to avoid Buffy thinking that she would stay inside oh, that's and a good sleep, point. right? But yeah. like you know, you're right cuz they also when have they ever cared about eavesdropping in that house? They definitely would have had it in the dining room last Fair. season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh so we go to the magic shop. It's research. It's our first research of <laughs> The season. Yep. Dawn is asking, because apparently Dawn's allowed to do research now. Uh, Dawn is asking about the list of possible hitchhikers that they have. She reads off the list. Uh, Willow says, there's five species of demons that are known to move trans-dimensionally.
1: She she names them, but I'm like, how come vengeance demon isn't there? (laughs) So
0: I think think it's specifically hitchhikers, though. I think vengeance demons can do their own dimensional shifting. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, So they've listed a bunch of them. Uh one of them had like there's two varieties that are bone eaters of small and large bones. Um and Don's like, if we can choose, uh, can we choose the small bone one? And Anya's like, Oh, that just means it eats things with smaller bones, like you. <laughs> uh and and so they've they've named four things, and Don's like, Well, what's the fifth one? And Tara says, It's like the others, except it's covered in like a big gelatinous goo. <laughs> Uh, so they're discussing these demons and Buffy shows up and interrupts them and says, I miss Giles. Same. Yeah. And Willow says, oh, he's coming back. I talked to him. I know I'm a poor substitute, but until then, we'll get it done. And Steph, this was where I started to kind of turn on Willow here, where it's <laughs> like, come on, Willow. That's a very passive aggressive thing to say. A line, I know I couldn't be a substitute for Giles. It's like. Willow.
1: It's not about you, Willow. It's not about you. Exactly. It's not about you.
0: I, once again, all of the Scoobies are like staring at Buffy. Ugh,
1: it's <laughs> it's so, uncomfortable. so uncomfortable. It's so
0: uncomfortable. So she, so she excuses herself. She says, I should patrol. <laughs> she gets up to go and Willow's like, oh, I know we'll find something soon. And Buffy says, yeah. <laughs> and keeps leaving. And Sandra says, want us to go with you? And I just says, we could do that. Buffy says, no. I need to go. Sorry. Back off. And Don says, you should go. I'll be (laughs) safe here with the others. Don't worry about me.
1: But Buffy's like already out the door when she says that. (laughs) Buffy's adopted Giles' point of view where she's like, fuck you, Don. Like, I don't care about you. But no, it's so true. And this was so obvious in this scene that last season, Don was Buffy's number one priority. Like, where's Don? Who's taking care of Don? Someone watched Don. And here, the fact that she's just leaving, right? Just I'm going, doesn't even think to wonder or worry about dawn that's a huge shift so buffy leaves but not before we see dawn has she's now has the milky white eyes and grins evilly so uh we get a shot of buffy patrolling in the cemetery with her dead eyes and um she stops in front of an angel statue and i don't know if you saw this car but like she's momentarily in front of the statue and it looks like she's got the wings of the angel statue behind her. And I was like, this is like, she's like a fallen angel, right? And foreshadow for something at the end of the episode. But like the fact that they purposefully got her in a shot in front of that yeah, angel. You don't
0: think it's a shout out to her boyfriend, Angel?
1: That's the foreshadow when Angel shows up at the end of this to be like, <laughs> uh, your friends fucking suck. I'm taking LA. Spoiler <laughs> alert. So the Scoobies are still doing research. Anya is bringing them coffee. And then Dawn with her white eyes turns around and says, idiot. <laughs> because, okay, you know, the, the setup was that Anya brought everyone coffee and she brought hot chocolate for Don. So she says, idiot. And then Anya says, okay, you can have my coffee. <laughs> uh, okay, but it's actually quite scary. So Don says, all of you did it, you stupid children. Did you think the blood wouldn't reach you? I smell the death on you. Look what you've done. And then she, rawr, <laughs> And she breathes fire onto the table.
0: She burninates the table. It's a Trogdor reference.
1: Oh, there's a callback to like early 2002. (laughs)
0: Love it. It's contemporary for the show.
1: (laughs) She lights the books on fire and then collapses. Tara and Willow uh, run to her and Xander puts out the fire and... Uh, Willow watches the demon, like, the little poof of demon in the floor leave. (laughs) So Anya says, did I look like that? I hope I didn't look like that. And Willow says, no, I'm sure you looked really glamorous cutting up your face. (laughs) So Dawn comes, too, and she's like, "What's happening. And Anya says, I bet you'll experience some dry mouth with with that fire.
0: Shout out to Xander during this scene, by the way, because Xander's the only one putting out the fire.
1: Well, Xander, um, his job for a long time now has been to clean up. So it makes sense. Don says, the did the demon have me? Tara's like, it's okay. Uh, Xander says, it's gone, um, the demon. And Anya says, yes, but where did it go? Evil things have plans. They've, they've got things to do. Not all evil things have plans, Kara, because Spike is just pacing around in his cave. Because he's a man and he's feeling feelings, he punches a hole in the wall, as men do.
0: I mean, how else is a television sh- show supposed to show us how many feelings a man has if he doesn't bloody his hand against a wall? We learned this last season with <laughs> Xander.
1: Exactly. But my thing is that, like, everyone... I bet there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, Spike cried. Spike, Spike feels his feelings and he cries. And he feels things. But
0: we've well, always known Spike is a sensitive boy, right? He writes poetry and uses words like effulgent.
1: Yeah, and this is... A- and this is a good example of how he can be both toxic masculine and sensitive because he cried earlier and now he's punching holes in the walls like a typical angry male. But his his
0: sensitivity is also toxic because yes he weaponizes it against women. So let's just be clear, right? Like there are many forms of toxic masculinity and Spike is many of them.
1: <laughs> he he checks off all the boxes, this guy. So uh, his hand's now bleeding. He hears someone upstairs, so he grabs a knife, goes upstairs, but it's just Buffy. Buffy's standing there. And he says, you should be careful. You never know what kind of villain's got a knife in your back. And Buffy says, your hand, it's hurt. And he says, same to you. And she glances at her hand. And she's like, right. So again, It's an interesting way of them showing there's a connection between the two of them now that they both are hurting, that they both have this like trauma in the past. I don't know, but they're not so different after all is what they're saying. So Spike says that Willow's getting pretty strong, isn't she? Bring you back. It's hard to get a good night's death around here. So again, like Spike is tuning into the fact that Willow's gaining power and she likes it. He says you can sit. Uh, he says he's got he's got new furniture, new furniture. You should see downstairs, too. It's pretty posh. And I was like, anything is a step up from your Buffy shrine and sex cave <laughs> with the Buffy bot last season, Spike. Buffy sits, Spike sits across from her and she just stares at him. And he says, I do remember what I said, the promise that, to protect you. If I had done that, even if I didn't make it, you wouldn't have had to jump. But I want you to know I did save her. Not what it counted, but after that, every night after that. I'd see it all again. I'd do something different, faster, more clever, dozens of times, lots of different ways. Every night I save you. Cool. <laughs> Car, you're supposed to weep at that. Cool story, bro. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to weep at his confession to her here.
0: When has Buffy ever <laughs> needed to be saved? Go on. <laughs> I mean, aside from, I think the one time she needed to be saved was it was Xander who saved her, right? Like he brought her back from drowning yeah this is spike's problem man like spike <laughs> spike's version of buffy in his head that he thinks he loves is not a real person this is a common thing that a lot of people of all genders do or you know you kind of create an idealized version of this person that you think you love and you love that idealized version you put them on a pedestal you know and, and spike's like i have to save you right and if i can't save you i'm going to save dawn and it's like, my dude, when has Buffy ever needed saving? No. You know, she wants a partner in crime. That's what she thought she was getting get Riley, but he turned out to be a total disappointment. But, you know, Spike hasn't figured this out yet or doesn't want to admit it yet, so.
1: Yeah, and also, it's not about you, Spike. <laughs> like, again, you're making that night, like, you. I
0: I will say I did enjoy his speech here because it, it does show us, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, in in bargaining, part one or part two, Spike is helping the Scoobies not because he's good now, but because he feels guilty.
1: Yeah, survivor's guilt.
0: Yeah, well, he, but yeah. he also feels responsible for Buffy's death. He thinks he caused it because he didn't save Dawn, and I I think that's so very interesting. And I do I do like the depth and the nuance that the writers are giving to Spike's character here when it comes to. How we explore his motivations, I think it's much more interesting than just a black and white binary of, you know, soulless creature, evil, bad, creature with soul, good. Um, As much as people with souls can do bad and evil things, I, I think that Spike is a very good proof of the concept that soulless evil creatures can do good things and they can feel emotions like guilt, maybe even love. But because they don't have souls, what they do with those emotions always ends up turning toxic.
1: Yeah. And uh, like, again, just like earlier when um, he, he first saw her and they sat on the couch together, like, I think this is a, a very moving scene, um, particularly because James Marshall sells it, right? And Sarah Michelle Geller does her good job of taking this all into. But. Yeah, you you can understand Spike's earnestness to let her know this because he's been dealing with the guilt of her being dead for four months. So now that he has her in front of him, she, she, he has to tell her, like, I, I try to save you. Like, I, I do feel guilty of what happened. And here's what I've been doing since. Right. Just like wallowing in it, basically. So there's something endearing about that. And yeah, I'm not opposed to the softening of Spike, so far this season, right? Like the fact that he is playing on the good team at the moment. My issue just comes from the fact that he was the worst last season. And I don't forget it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, at the magic shop, Xander is telling Tara that it's getting light out and Buffy is probably on her way home from patrolling. And Tara says she likes sunrises better when I'm getting up early than when I'm staying up late. It's like I'm seeing it from the uh, from the wrong side. I like that a lot xander says tara it's it's a probably crazy but spike got me thinking the spell we did it's having consequences consequences isn't it i was just wondering did you know that this might happen and tara says no xander says could someone have known and tara's like willow is, is talented a talented witch and and she would never do anything to hurt anyone
0: <laughs> okay press secretary <laughs>
1: Right, like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes! Right, that's what Senator <laughs> she, says.
0: She, she's, she's, tri- it's like he triggered like a pre, like a canned response.
1: Yeah, she was, you know, ready, like for, she you was at, ready.
0: You, you must get this in in your your media comms, right? Where it's like you email a company and and they like come back to you with something that is clearly from a script that somebody wrote five oh, years ago. That's
1: half my job is to create messages that are like this, like scripted, <laughs> safe. <laughs> You know, you can't, the can't, you can't put holes in them.
0: <laughs> you have like seven meetings about whether you should use th- the adjective talented or skilled.
1: <laughs> right? Widow is an exceptional witch and she would never hurt anyone. Please leave. <laughs> have a great day. Sincerely, Tara. Um, yeah, so Xander is like, uh, you know, I know, I know. Backing up quickly, hands in the air, right? I just meant that. And here we've got some dissension in the rank. So Xander is wondering... Did Willow know? Did Willow know she was going to cop out snakes and that Buffy might come back broken and bring back a demon? So Willow shouts, Thomogenesis, And Anya says, she's possessed. And Willow says, I'm not possessed. <laughs> I love that. She's like, I think if I figured it out. It's not a demon that we let out. It's a demon that we made. Femmogenesis is when doing a spell actually creates a being. In this case, a side effect, like a price. The world doesn't like you getting something for free. So we asked it for this huge gift, which was Buffy. And the world said, fine. But if you have that, then you have to take this too. And it made the demon. So Anya says, it's technically not a price. It's a gift with purchase.
0: Something Anya line, I love it.
1: <laughs> and Don says, if we made the demon, how come we can't see it? How come all we see is us doing stuff? And I was like, Don, don't say we, you were not part of this plan. You were just on the side and then you found Buffy outside, you know, don't, don't don't rope yourself in with these naughty Scoobies. And Willow says it's out of phase with this dimension. Its consciousness is here, but its body is caught in the ether between existing and not existing. Tara says it doesn't have a body, so it's borrowing ours. And Willow says it's manifesting copies of them. And Tara says it's trying to scare us to attack us. And Xander says, we need to send it the rest of the way out of our world. And Will says, it's linked to the spell. If we send it away, it would be like the spell didn't exist, like it never happened. Dawn says, like it never brought Buffy back. You can't do that. You can't think for a second that you're going to do that. If you think you can give her back to me and then take her away again, that's worse than if you you never brought her back. You can't mess with people's lives this way. Mm, Let's highlight that and say it again. You can't mess with people's lives that way, Willow. And Willow says, Don, we're not going to go that way. Don says "Like to the Scoobies, how could you let her do this? How could you even talk about letting her do this? And Tara's like, Don, you're not listening. <laughs> she, like, she said she'll find another way. And Don's like, then do it. And Willow says... Wait, wait, wait. I found something, right? She found something. Um, It's temporary. The demon. It's going to dissipate. The only way for it to survive in this plane is if it were to kill the subject of the original spell. And Tara's like, so it would have to kill Buffy. And then suddenly Xander, whose eyes are white, says, thanks for the tip. And then Xander falls over. The demon bump moves away and i was like oh classic demon like why couldn't you just keep your mouth shut uh you had to make it yourself so obvious so now the Scoobies are going to come up with a plan to get rid of you knowing that you know <laughs> you could have just like sucked your way out <laughs> like you know like that's
0: a great point
1: like this is such a, to me i'm like reminded of like all the demons that you and i made fun of like toth <laughs> like like what like oh, what was toth. this plan What's the Oh one? Toth
0: and Toth and this other demon are gonna hang out in Demon Hell or Purgatory or whatever wherever demons go when they die and be like, So the slayer got you too, huh? <laughs> what was your mistake? Oh, I talked too much about my evil plan. Yeah, mine too.
1: So um Will so Will so we cut to Buffy who's coming home and the the demon moved really quickly. There's a misty white demon floating up the stairs toward her. <laughs> Like to do, yeah, as one does, looking like the ghost of Christmas past. Hoops
0: among us has not <laughs> wafted up the stairs in a misty, non corporeal form.
1: Especially when you put on your like your night creams and stuff before you go to bed. Like that's what I look like, essentially. <laughs> um, but so Buffy's looking at pictures again. And the milky demon (laughs) floats over to her and is like, you don't belong here. And Buffy tries to punch it, which is so funny. And it punches her back and she, she swings at it and it pushes her out into the hallway demon says did they tell you you belonged here did they say this was your home again were you offered pretty little lies little girl or did you did they even give you a chance so the demon grabs her from behind somehow like clouds around her (laughs) it's like fighting a cloud very interesting at the same time Xander and is driving Anya and Don to Buffy's and Don is saying Xander drive faster I could drive faster and I can't drive That was like, good one, Don.
0: Dawn. Dawn is on fire, pun intended, tonight oh. when it comes to like, like chirping everybody and like putting her foot down. Like, I'm loving this. And
1: being great at like taking care of Buffy, telling everyone to shut the fuck up, right? You're overwhelming her. Good for you, Dawn. Anya says, she's right. You're like a snail, a snail who's driving the car very slowly. <laughs> She said, give it the lead foot. We got to help Buffy with that demon you sent after her. And Sandra says, I did not send the demon. I was possessed. Demon used me to eavesdrop on our conversation. And I was like, this is actually a really good learning point for Dawn. Because Dawn eavesdrops on every conversation she's ever not been a part of uh, last year. So she should take uh, a leaf from this demon's book and possess people in order to eavesdrop. So Anya says... Uh, we need to talk in some sort of anti demon secret code now. And Xander says, "Udge, idea ye, Anye. And Don says, Stop talking pig Latin and drive. Buffy's in trouble. And Xander tells Don that Willow and Tara are doing a spell. And Don is worried that they'll send Buffy back. And Xander's like, No, no, no. The, the demon is all misty. So they're just going to make it solid so that Buffy can kick its fully embodied ass. So we do. We see a, a clip of Willow and Tara doing the spell at the magic shop. And Buffy somehow broke out of the magic mist. And now she's uh, getting thrown around the room, <laughs> looking worried. And she grabs an axe from under the bed. And the demon says, you're the one who's barely here. Set on this earth like a bubble. You won't even disturb the air when you go. Uh, Xander, Dawn and your run in. And Buffy says, take Dawn out of here. And suddenly the spell works, right? The demon is solid and looks like a ghostly old white lady. And uh, Buffy chops his head off. And, and that's it. There's no blood. It's just, it just rolls. Hey Yay. Yay. And Dom says, that's probably the thing I'm not supposed to see, right? But yeah, our, uh, we are led to believe that this demon, right, that Buffy literally killed so easily is the consequence of Willow performing the resurrection spell, right? Uh, and now that it's dead, it's all over. But this is a red herring, right? Because I think, as we will see with the remaining two scenes, two or three scenes left, we're going to find out what the true consequence is.
0: Consequences. Ooh. So it's the next morning or one hour later, Steph has in her notes. <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, what time. time. What is time? What uh, is time? Dawn is leaving for school and Buffy chases after her and at, she's calling out like Dawn. And at, at first Dawn is worried that something is wrong. But no, Buffy is just bringing her. Not dinner in a bag, but it's almost as good lunch in a bag.
1: Yeah, it's the second bed. It's just almost as good as bedroom breakfast. Mm -hmm. Can I just say... That Buffy is looking so beautiful. She's looking like... She, al- yeah,
0: she's looking good.
1: Almost normal, right? Almost normal. I, I would say her hair lacks the finesse and bounce that it had in season five. You and I were loving her hair in season five.
0: I, I like her hair in this scene. I hear what you're saying. But yeah. I, again, I'm cutting her slack. She's been dead for four months or <laughs> yeah. five months. So She's looking beautiful. Uh, So Don, you know, is actually very happy that Buffy made her lunch. And Buffy says, you better go. You've been out of school since I've been back. You know what they say. Those of us who fail history are doomed to repeat it in summer school. So you've been out of school since I've been back. So how many days have gone by in this episode? I'm very confused.
1: It's been one day.
0: <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't uh, know. So, I don't know. So they <laughs> hug. Dodd thanks her, pulls away. Dodd's like, are you okay? And Buffy says, I'm going to start charging money for every person that asks me that from now on. And Don's like, but it's because we care about you. When Aww. you were gone, it was bad, uh, but it'll be better now. Now they can see you being happy. It's all we want. And Buffy is just staring at the ground as Don leaves. We're going to find out why in two more seeds. But first...
1: At the magic shop, Buffy approaches the Scoobies and she says, look, you guys, there's this thing. So I'm just going to say it. You brought me back. I was in... I was in hell and I can't think too much about that, what it was like, but it felt like the world abandoned me there. Suddenly you guys did what you did. And Tara says, it was Willow. She knew what to do. And Buffy says, okay, so you did that. And the world came rushing back. Thank you. You guys gave me the world. I can't tell you what it means to me. And I should have said it before. So Willow says, you're welcome. (laughs) finally like you're welcome so her and Xander go and hug her and they're saying welcome to home Buffy Buffy opens her eyes and you can see it's like she's like dead inside but she momentarily shuts them again so it looks like she's enjoying the hug then she goes outside in the back and spike is smoking in the shadows and buffy surprised because it's bright
0: daylight outside otherwise
1: yeah like she's like what are you like uh but apparently it's shady enough for him to be out there and he says he overheard her and the super friends exchanging a super a special moment and he came over a bit queasy (laughs) which is really funny um he says aren't you leaving a hole in the middle of some soggy group hug (laughs) so buffy says she wanted a little time alone and spike is like okay so he goes to leave her but he can't because the sun is there. And I was like, how did you get there in the first place? He,
0: obviously, he must have used his classic blanket trick.
1: Sure. <laughs> but like, like, what? Anyway, Buffy says that she could be alone with him there. <laughs> so um, like a hidden insult. So so um, Spike says, thanks ever so much. He sees her si- sitting sadly and he says, Slayer are you okay and Buffy says I'm here I'm good and Spike sits next to her and says Buffy if you're in pain or you need anything I can do like I can do anything for you and Buffy says you can't Spike says I haven't been to a hell dimension just of late but I do know a thing or two about torment and Buffy says I was happy (sighs) she says wherever I was I was happy at peace I know that everyone I cared about was all right. I knew it. Time didn't mean anything. Nothing had form. I was still me and I was warm and I was loved and I was finished. Complete. I don't understand theology or dimensions or any of it really, but I think I was in heaven. (laughs) And now I'm not. I was torn out of there, pulled out by my friends. Everything here is hard and bright and violent. Everything I feel, everything I touch This is hell. Just getting through the next moment and the one after that, knowing what I've lost. Oh, so Buffy looks at Spike, almost as if she can't believe that she just shared that with him. And Spike is staring at her and Buffy just gets up and she walks out into the sun and we see Spike sitting in the shadows behind her. And she says, they can never know, never. And she leaves him in the shadows. Cut to black. This is
0: fucking brilliant. This is genius. Like, this is one of my favorite twists in in television history. It's like the writers sat around and were like, I say the writers, it's probably Joss Whedon, whatever. Um, (laughs) The writers sat around and were like, what's worse than Buffy being in a hell dimension? And they came up with, what if she was in heaven? And I'm just like, oh my God. God, it's so good. I wish I had thought of that myself.
1: It's genuinely shocking. And it's a million times more heartbreaking, right? Like, and there's su- now we mm-hmm. know why there's such a big difference between Buffy coming back from the dead and when Angel came back from the hell dimension, right? This is mm-hmm. why she she seems sane, that she seems all right, says Willow. It's because she came from a good place and she's in a worse place now and she had two really big speeches here in the last two yeah. in the last two scenes
0: but they're so different they're
1: so different and now that we know that she thinks that she was in heaven that she was in a peaceful place when you go back and hear what she says to the Scoobies it, mm-hmm. It's so it's much such a darker. Performance. Oh, it's such a performance. She's acting. She, oh, she was say She says, um, "Sure, I was in hell." <laughs> like where she just says it, right? She says, "You took me out, and the world came rushing back." And she's saying that like to the Scoobies, that sounds like a positive thing, but she means it like a negative thing, right? Like all of a sudden, I'm mm-hmm. back
0: here. Yeah, the double meaning.
1: You guys gave me the world, and I can't tell you what it means to me. Like that mm-hmm. is so. Oh. Oh, it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. Well, and and so Willow is getting the thank you that she's been expecting from Buffy. And and like Buffy knew that she was supposed to be grateful. And so she's performing now. She's she knows that this is her role. She has to be the loving sister, the good friend, you know, the the quippy slayer. She understands her role. But it's never going to be the same as it was before she died, right? Because now she knows what was out there where she could be and there's probably no guarantee right that the next time she dies she's going to the same place because she got to wherever it was that she was while she was dead via dying through a mystical portal um so you know who's to say that the next time she dies she doesn't end up in a hell dimension or whatever um, so that must be also particularly galling. So so what do you think, Steph, of Buffy's choice to lie to the Scoobies here?
1: Heartbreaking. Lies. G- lies. Uh, do you
0: agree with her? Because she tells Spike, she's like, they can never know. Never.
1: I... I don't. I want Buffy to do what she needs to do to stay sane right now. So if she feels like she can't tell her friends because she point, can't handle them being guilty around her, she can't handle them groveling, being like, oh my God, oh, no. yeah.
0: Willow would lose it.
1: Oh, the, the, the <laughs> fact that they already proved that they can't handle her simply coming back, even though they're the ones that brought her back. I think that if Buffy just wants them in the dark for now and she can deal with this on her own with the, you know, added with Spike <laughs> on the side, that's up to Buffy.
0: I, I think it's so clever of the show to be like, Spike is the only person she can tell because of that darkness that's inside of him. And you said earlier in our episode, Steph, that they have something in common now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I think this is laying the groundwork for their relationship to become deeper and more nuanced than it was in season five mm-hmm. for better or for worse um, yeah. because she's he's the only one she can fight in and it's fucked up
1: well it's also so interesting how the scoobies have isolated her and she's isolating herself against the yeah. scoobies right it's it's like both there's both sides the, here that are isolating the gulf
0: her. between her and the normies basically yes right as the slayer She's always held herself apart from the very beginning. She always wanted to keep the Scoobies out of harm's way. You know, Prophecy Girl, she's like, I'm the one who has to go and do this by myself and I'm going to die for it. Same thing with the gift, right? Um, Even having like Willow and Tara and Spike, you know, these people with extra abilities, compared to her, they're not the Slayer. Buffy has always known that she has to stand apart. And the difference now is she's been robbed of her ability to confide in and seek support from these people because they can't handle the truth of her. I want to say lived experience, but I guess that's not entirely accurate, but the truth of her experience as the Slayer, I, I would so want Buffy to talk to Faith about this. I feel like the only other person who could understand what she's going through is another Slayer. Obviously Faith hasn't died and come back, but, like, I feel like Faith would recognize the darkness that's inside Buffy right now, uh, which we were talking about all of season five was this darkness that's a part of her Slayer heritage. I feel like Faith would recognize that uh, in herself. It's just manifested in Faith in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that conversation.
1: I would also love to see her talk to Angel about it because Angel, obviously, um, the way that we've interpreted the how he handles his soul, it's a lot of mm-hmm. like living with depression. Right. And living with sure. um, a darkness inside you all the time. So I would love to see that conversation. I, I'm just re- it, it's such a portrayal. Like she says it in the speech here. She says, I was finished. I was complete. And you and I talked at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. We're saying Buffy is so done and she's done mm-hmm. enough. If she wants to die, if, she's, if she is but- she sacrificed herself to die, she wants to stay dead. She deserved that and Willow took that away from me. I,
0: I thought I was done, but they decided they wanted two more seasons out of me. <laughs>
1: right? She was like, she's like, I, I I had sacrificed myself and Willow took that away from me.
0: Her friends For didn't. for anybody who's watched Supernatural, my friends, this is you know, this is very much supernatural, except of course Supernatural went on for 15 seasons. So at some point, this shtick <laughs> got old. Cause they kept dying and coming back and dying, and coming back and sacrificing themselves for each other, and other people sacrificing themselves for them. And you know, but it was, you know, they're at this point where they're like, We have to save the world again, it's like, <laughs> yeah,
1: right? Right, but yeah. that, that, that's the thing. So, so there's a betrayal there with these friends. And again, I don't blame Buffy for not wanting to tell them the truth, but uh, that's why it makes sense that she's telling Spike that her and Spike, um, and as you said earlier, their relationship for better or for worse, um, it, it's it's now set in this isolation that Buffy's feeling from her friends. And that's, that's not a good thing, but at the same time, Spike is actually there to listen to her and she's confiding in him. And that's, that is a good thing. Right. So I, I think it's really interesting and nuanced as, as you said earlier, another part uh, aspect of her little speech here at the end um, that I want to bring up because I felt that was the way that she described herself as just getting through the next moment. And then the one after that, because Mm -hmm. You can think of it in in the terms of her dealing with depression, but I uh, recognize that in grief and it's called chunking. Um, And it's when you are so sad or bereft or or, um, grieving that all you can do is get through the next moment. And then from there you say, "Okay, now the next moment. Right. And that's basically what she's describing there. Honestly, I just want to say that like the way Buffy Describe that and the way that the speech went and what she's going through right now. She is so heroic. Like, she is so strong to make these decisions, to make Dawn lunch, to go on with her day. Because Buffy has every right to despair. She has every right to wall up in her room and not talk to anybody for months if she wanted to. Because she's literally been dragged back into hell when she finally found her reprieve. So she has a right to be angry, but she's not. Right, And she's keeping the secret from her friends to stop them from being sad about it. We're going to ask who's your hero. My hero's Buffy for just getting through the fucking day. <laughs> right? When she she's literally in her own version of hell.
0: I, w- I was tempted to go Buffy as well. But I'm actually going for the third episode in a row, Steph. With Donifer. Mm. Because as I said Donathan. earlier. Yeah. Donathy. Donathia is like laying down the law here. She's so assertive and confident. You know, I just, I just, I loved her in this episode. So go, down.
1: The Summer Sisters, <laughs> you guys are running the show right now. Yeah, this was a good episode. It was a spooky episode. Lots of aggravation on the Scooby's end. I'm sure it'll all clean itself up next episode. No it's doubt. gonna be fine. Yeah.
0: Now let's do some hot steaks.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Our first one's from Amy. Amy says, previously, as long as there was something to fight, the Scoobies and Buffy had this inherent knowledge that somehow they'd pull through. We'll find, you'll slay, we'll party. This episode follows the general structure of the five years previous. Evil found, research done, demon slayed. And so the Scoobies and we, the audience, expect the status quo. The last scene flips the the show's comfort zone on its head. This suggests a different Buffy and a different show moving forward. Buffy's relationship with living and slaying is not as it was, and I think this episode episode may foreshadow a darker and more rocky path forward for all the scoobies right on amy i agree with you um just as we saw that image of buffy standing in front of the angel wings and she's in the cemetery and i was like oh it's like a fallen angel i I believe that i think buffy has come back different as you're saying i think the show it has already felt different but it's going to be different moving forward there's no going back from here and um yeah, it's not going to be smooth sailing, me thinks.
0: I agree. <laughs> Our second hot take is from Frankie, who says, My biggest problem with the Scoobies reviving Buffy is not their selfishness, but, and I think you'll agree with this, Steph, their carelessness. Heyo! This complaint obviously starts with them neglecting to dig up her body. I think they have had to have known that she was going to come back in her body, them leaving in her her in her grave caused more trauma than pretty much anything else they could have done
1: yes exactly
0: (laughs) they had no plan for what to do after she was revived
1: what's the plan (laughs)
0: leaving her with zero support and countless responsibilities (gasps) bringing Buffy back was one thing but if they were planning to basically abandon her after they shouldn't have done it in the first place
1: Snap, snap 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 Frankie exactly
0: yeah they're basically like are you normal yet Buffy? Right. They're like, what do you want to do? Do you want pizza? It's like, um, maybe Buffy needs time to adjust. Maybe, you know, therapy. I don't know. How
1: about, how about the pizza already be ready for her when she wakes up? How about that? Yeah.
0: And I agree with you that they shouldn't just like leave her by herself. They they need to be like hanging out with her.
1: Come on. Why go to bed? Or like, if you're going to bed, someone sit outside her door or something, you know, like what? (sighs) Come on. Well, Uh... yeah, I'm
0: sure this is fine. Everything's fine. Um, nothing bad will happen at all this season
1: <laughs> can i just say and i think i said this in our live live chat on instagram the other day and i've said this before the mood is low the mood the mood for season six has been pretty dark and moody so far. i'm loving and
0: it so far
1: are you like i'm i'm enjoying I'm our for the darkness right
0: now maybe it's, i'm just in in that mood right now <laughs> let
1: but. the hate flow through you <laughs> 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 we need a band candy like episode soon is what i'm saying
0: Well, well, be careful what you wish for, Steph. Be careful what you wish for. All right. Uh, Thank you so much to all of our supporters on Buy Me a Coffee, especially our chosen ones. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna.
1: Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, hayley tasha ricky and amy thanks everybody we will see you next week bye Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one time and monthly options.
0: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
1: We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us
0: at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And Prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
1: Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.